Blessed Merry Merry Christmas. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, Blessed Merry Christmas. It is so great that we can use this word Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. Now, before we begin, I want to give you a short quiz. You like quiz? All right. Question number one. Who told Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? A, B, C. Who says A? Raise your hand. Who says B? Raise your hand. Who says C? Raise your hand. Okay, C. A decree by Caesar Augustus. God can use pagan, those in authority, to guide your life. Let's look at the next question. Who, how did Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem? A, they walked. B, he walked. C, rode on the donkey. C, they rode on camels. How many says A? Raise your hand. How many says B? Raise your hand. How many says C? Raise your hand. <laughs> how many of you will never raise your hand? Okay, answer. None of the above. <clears throat> The Bible does not say. Next. <clears throat> By the way, the choir is singing and laughing. You know, let's thank the choir and the musicians for this wonderful singing, okay? We want you to know we appreciate your amazing music, okay? We don't take you for granted. That's why we reserve seats for you. Now, what animals were around the manger? A, B, C. How many says A? Raise your hand. A, B, C. Answer, none of the above. The Bible does not say. All right, next. When is the birthday of Jesus? A, B. How many says A? Raise your hand. B, raise your hand. C, answer, none of the above. But I'm almost sure it's not December because shepherds were out in the night. It's kind of cold. So it's not important. What is important is Jesus came. Amen? Okay, next question. How many kings from the east visited Jesus? How many says A? Raise your hand. A. B. Four. C. Ten. Answer. None of the above. So you are getting smarter. All right. Our topic today is very simple. I'm going to talk about, number one, what is Christmas? Number two, what is the significance of Christmas? And number three, how should we respond to Christmas? They are all interrelated. If you do not know the true meaning of Christmas, you will not know the significance. If you don't know the significance, you will not know how to respond. The word Christmas, what is very clear, is from two words combined. Christmas, Christ, plus mass. What does that mean? The focus is on Christ. The word mass comes from the Latin word, okay? Misa. It can also mean as follows. Mass, Misa, celebration. That's why you have the Eucharist. Or it means 
you are sent. Misa means sent out. So Christmas has the idea of Christ sent to us or Christ sending us out to proclaim him. Whatever it is, the meaning of the word Christmas is Christ. Celebration of Christ, proclamation of Christ. Amen? Now, the best definition, if you ask me, is from the Bible. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. What can we learn about Christmas? The angel of the Lord said to them. Now, who is this them? Who? Did you read the Bible a while ago? What did it say? Do you know who is them? Shepherds. Did you forget already what you just read a while ago? Why are you looking at me as if you don't know the answer? So the angel of the Lord said to the shepherds. So the first thing I'd like you to know, Christmas is from God. God sent his angel to tell us something. It's from God. And number two, do you notice something? God did not send the angel to talk to the rich. He did not send the angel to talk to politicians. He sent them to ordinary people, less than ordinary shepherds. They were not respected. Shepherds are not even allowed to be a witness in court. Many of them are not even allowed to enter the temple because they violate the Sabbath day. They have to do their job. They have to keep watch of the sheep. However, I want you, I want you to know something about Christmas. The Bible tells us, I bring you good news of great joy. The word good news is from the word gospel. Literally, good news is from the word evangelio. That's where you have the word eulogy. Good news. What is good news? Why is God wanting us to know good news? Because God is after your best interest. Great joy. You know, some news are good, but it may not bring you great joy. This is great joy. Tell your neighbor, great joy. Guys, Christmas, once you understand this, should give us tremendous joy. But if you don't understand it, you will not be joyful. That's why my advice is every day, learn to celebrate Christmas. Joyful. What is this news? Which will be for everybody read? All the people. So this for everybody. It will bring great joy for everybody. Rich, poor. People with problems. People don't have problems. It's for all. But do you know this is the beginning? The angel said, do not be afraid. Do you know why we need this message today? Because many of us live in fearful times. The truth is we all have problems. I was just talking to some people this week, and I heard about the problem of a leader's son. The son was brought back to drug rehab. The son is having psychological problem. That is sad for the family. I know of another couple. They're having marital problem. The wife discovered the unfaithfulness of the husband. It's painful. But the good news is this. Jesus came to help all of us that are having problems. Why? Notice. Why, no matter what is your problem, financial, business, whatever is the problem, 
I want you to notice something. Let's read together. Everybody, today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christmas should be a time of great comfort for you and for me. Let me tell you why. Christmas is historical. It happened today in the city of David, 2,000 years ago, in the city of Bethlehem, the Savior was born. It is not wishful thinking. It is not a legend. God wants you to know this is truth. By the way, can I warn all of you and tell your friends, do not base truth just because you read that in the internet. You must learn to discern what is true and what is not true. And that's why in CCF, we teach people apologetics. Why do you believe the Bible? Why do we believe in Jesus? You cannot just believe because you want to believe. What do you believe in something does not make it true? Something is true because it's true. But how do you know? That's why you need to attend our discipleship class. We teach you how to discern. In the meantime, let me tell you something true. The Bible tells us 2,000 years ago, something happened. The title of Jesus are given. Three titles. Number one, together. Louder, Savior. Number two, Christ. Number three, Lord. Now, why is that important? Well, the name of Jesus, Yeshua, means Savior. Why is this important? Because God promised as early as the book of Genesis is going to send a Savior. Remember in the book of Genesis, we committed sin. We fell out of grace. So God says, I'm going to give you a solution. Now what God did, he made a promise so that you will know who is the coming Savior. And that's where the title comes in, Christ. Christ literally means Messiah, anointed king. In Greek, it's Christos, anointed king. There are many people claiming to be savior, but there is only one chosen of God. That's the meaning of Christ, chosen, the Messiah. How will you know? Well, the Bible tells us the Messiah has to come from the family line of Abraham, Abraham had two sons. It must come from Isaac. Isaac had two sons. It must, no, well, there are many sons, but it must come from Isaac, Jacob. Isaac had 12 sons. The Messiah must come from the family line of Jacob. Jacob had many sons. It must come from the family line of David. What the Bible is saying is you need to know who is going to be the Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, now you understand why genealogy, if you look at Matthew chapter 1, it says, Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of Isaac, Isaac, the son of Jacob. Do you notice the genealogy? Do you know why genealogy is important? So that you can prove who is going to be the Savior. So the Bible tells us Genealogy is so crucial that every Jewish mother, every Jewish father would like to have children, Jewish, because they are hoping 
that in their family line, the Messiah will come. In 70 AD, Rome burned the temple. When the temple was burned, all the genealogy was destroyed. So after 70 AD, you can no longer identify who is the Messiah. Because you can no longer identify where the Messiah is coming from. So the Messiah must be born before the temple is destroyed. And that is prophesied in the book of Daniel. It's prophesied in the book of Malachi that the Messiah will appear in the temple. The temple was destroyed when? 70 AD. So who is that person who qualifies as the Messiah? He cannot be born in passing. Sorry. He cannot be a Filipino. Sorry. He cannot be an American. He has to be what? Jewish. And where must he be born? Bethlehem. And who is that person? Jesus. All right. Next title. He is the Lord. Many people like Jesus to be their Savior. And my concern is CCFers, especially the young ones, because you come from a Christian background. I did not come from a Christian background, so I have to struggle to believe in Jesus or not. But many of you, you came from Christian family, and you don't really exactly have conviction as to who Jesus is. I've discovered Jesus is not just a passport to heaven. Yes, he is the Savior, but more than that, he is Lord. My question, do you recognize Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords? Now, why is this important? Because Christmas is centered on who? Christ. And so what is the significance of Christmas? God loves you. Turn to your neighbor. God loves you. What is the significance of Christmas? God keeps his promises. He promised a savior. What is the significance of Christmas? God promised. Because he came the first time, you have more prophecy about the second coming. So the significance of Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Jesus is coming again. That's what most people don't understand. The gospel does not just talk about Jesus as your Savior and my Savior. Guys, you will never understand the gospel until you realize you have a problem. What's my problem? Sin. And what did Jesus come to do? To die on the cross to be our Savior. Now, why did he have to die on the cross? The reason why he had to die on the cross is because the payment of sin is death. So Jesus has to take the form of a human being so that he can die. He can suffer for you and for me. Sin is horrible. Why is this important? Because Christmas tells me that God really loves you, God loves me. You know the best verse for me, if I were to summarize Christmas? Let me read to you, Romans 8. It says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Christmas, how do you know God is for us? Answer? Read. What's the answer? If God is for us, who is against us? How do you know God is for us? He gives you the answer. 
Everybody read. He who did not spare his own son. I want to think. I have five children. Honestly, I will not give any one of them to you. I love them. But the Bible says, God so loved the world. He gave his one and only begotten son. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not with Jesus freely give us all things? The argument is very simple. If God gave us his greatest possession, greatest gift, will he not take care of you? If God gave you his son and you have problems, will he not take care of you? So today, I'd like you to realize something. The significance of Christmas is God loves you and God is for you and God promised to take care of you. And that's why you need to understand the gospel. The gospel is not just saving us. The gospel involves salvation. It involves sanctification. It involves glorification. That is the significance of Christmas. Let me repeat. Christmas means what? Yes, salvation. What is Jesus saving us from? Sin. That means sanctification. Your transformation. Your character. Why? Why must your character be transformed? Because you are going to enter the most glorious place. It's called what? Glorification. What is glorification? You and I. Someday we'll be with him forever and ever. If you want to see a simple chart, I'll show you a simple chart, all right? Everybody, gospel involves your salvation from the penalty of sin. Gospel involves your transformation from the power of sin. The gospel involves glorification, the second coming of Jesus. And how will sanctification be accomplished? It is accomplished many times through problems. Look at Romans chapter 8. The Bible tells us, everybody read now, I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Ladies and gentlemen, what you are now encountering, yes, some of you may be hurting. You may be suffering. I was talking to some politicians, Christian politicians, how they refuse to accept bribe, how they refuse to compromise. And the amounts are not small, big amount. And people describe them as stupid, as fools. They're not stupid. They see the big picture. What is the big picture? Someday, God has something better for us. I like this quotation about sufferings. You know, you will only understand suffering. You will only understand pain, disappointments, from the perspective of eternity and the second coming. Let's read this together. Suffering, pain, and disappointments are best understood from the perspective of eternity and Jesus' second coming. If not, it does not make sense. So, what have we learned? What is Christmas? It's all about Christ. He came. 
What's the significance? Amazing. God is for you. God loves you. God wants to transform you. But the most important significance, if you ask me, Christmas tells me Jesus is coming again. Why do I say that? In the first Christmas, you have 300 prophecies. His second coming has over 1,500 prophecies. If Jesus came the first time, he's going to come the second time. Ladies and gentlemen, how should you respond? Because of the significance of Christmas, he's coming again. How you respond to Christmas today will impact how you will experience his second coming. Let me repeat. How you respond to the first coming, Christmas, is going to determine how you experience his second coming. Let's read this one more time. How you respond to Christmas determines what you experience when it comes again. I'm going to build my case. Application time today. Ladies, gentlemen, brothers, sisters, those of you who are watching us in the internet all over the world, I want you to know something. The message of how you should respond to Christmas is simply this. Because Jesus is our sure hope. I want you to worship him. Say that with me. Worship him. One more time. Jesus is our sure hope. Christmas tells us Jesus is our sure hope. But how should you respond? Worship him. Now, what is worship? You cannot fake worship. Worship is our response. Everybody read that together. Worship is our response to who God is, what he has done, what, he, what he's doing now, and what he will do. So it's a response. You, you need to know God. Without knowing him, you cannot worship properly. And that's why I want to teach you. How do you worship Jesus? It's crucial. To teach you how to worship Jesus, let me first build up the case of why you need to worship him. Because how you respond to Jesus today, first coming, will determine what happens to his second coming. But some of you may not be convinced about second coming. So I want to share with you, just quickly, the significance of Christmas involves second coming. Let me show you example of prophecies. First coming, second coming. Example, first coming. The prophecy. Remember, you have many prophecies about first coming. Where he will be born, descendant of David, etc., etc. But example only. First coming, Bethlehem. Second coming, Mount of Olives. I shared that with you. First coming, Low key, quiet, shepherds. Second coming, glory and power. In his second coming, every eye will see him. The whole world will know. The angels, the whole world, the armies of God will come with him. Savior, first coming. Second coming, everybody read. Judge and king. First coming is good news for all. Second coming, it can be good news 
it can be bad news. Depending on how you will respond. Do you like it to be good news? Or do you like it to be bad news? Okay, good news. All right? Let's look at the sample prophecy of why you have to be ready today. Example. The Bible tells us in the second coming of Jesus, you will have wars, rumors of wars. Let's read this together. You'll be hearing of wars, rumors of wars. Is this true today? In fact, South China Sea, Taiwan, China, people are discussing, will there be a war? Well, the Bible says you'll be hearing of wars, rumors of war. It's wars. You are not don't be frightened. So I don't want you to be afraid. These things must take place. But this is not yet the end. It's getting closer to the end. Not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Just look at what's happening to the world. Is there a war going on? Are there wars? Of course. My goodness. We are so blessed in the Philippines. At least we still have peace. Everybody read, various places, there will be famine and earthquakes. Famine, earthquakes. I thought we have overcome famines, earthquakes. Do you know there are more earthquakes in this century than in the past? The more earthquake in this decade than the past. Why? Look at this verse. Look. The Bible tells us, everybody read, there will be, notice, not just earthquakes. There will be great earthquakes. So don't be shocked when you begin to hear more massive earthquakes. It is God telling us, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. It is God telling you, be ready, be ready, be ready. It is God telling you, be serious about your spiritual life. In various places, what is this? Louder. Plagues. COVID-19. Epidemic. Pandemic. Famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. You know, climate change is a reality. But it is not within man's control. Climate change is God's involvement. He's going to shock the world, to wake us up. Be ready. Now, example of second coming that I like you to know is very relevant today. Look at Ezekiel chapter 38. People often ask me, Israel, Hamas, what does that mean? How many of you are familiar with what's happening today in Israel, Gaza? Raise your hand. Okay, you are not ignorant. You know what's happening, right? Well, let me tell you. Israel is like the clock of God. If you want to know what time it is for the second coming, you just look at Israel. We're getting closer and closer. Ezekiel chapter 36, 37 talks about the restoration of Israel. How before Christ will come again, Israel will be gathered from all the nations all over the world and go back to Israel. It's a prophecy. It is an impossible prophecy that nobody believed it will happen. Up to the 20th century, 19th century, many scholars 
hate to interpret the prophecy of the restoration of Israel. They compromise. But they got the shock of their lives in 1948 when Israel became a nation. Impossible. How can a country with no real estate, no flag, no constitution, for 2,000 years, no language, how can you suddenly become a nation again? God says, I will prove to you I am God. Before I return, my people will be regarded in Israel. Amazing. Their language is like the language of the Bible. Everything you are seeing today is a miracle from God. But this miracle is going to be shattered by another event. The Bible tells us there's going to be war in Israel. Son of man, set your face toward Gog. Gog is a title. It's like Pharaoh. It's like king of the land of Magog. Many people like to believe this is probably Russia. The prince of Ross, Meshek, and Tubal. This has to do with Moscow, all of that area. Prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, I am against you, O God. Prince of, remember, it's confederation of nations. Rus, Russia maybe, Moscow, Tubal, Turkey. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws and I will bring you out and your army. God is saying, I'm going to orchestrate something. All of these nations will be aligned and they're going to attack. Plus other nations. Persia, modern-day Iran, Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a big place. I like to believe it's referring to northern Africa, Sudan. Put Libya with all of them, shield and helmet, Gomer, part of eastern Russia, eastern Europe, with all its troops, Beth Togarma, that is part of the Turkey, Cappadocia, all of this area. Let me show you the map. I, I think it's better I show you the map, okay? This is what the Bible is talking about. God is going to gather all of these places, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, all of these places, Russia, North, they will attack Israel. These are the Magog, you know, Kazakhstan, all of these countries, Persia, and then you have Sudan, Libya. Guys, don't be surprised when you see military alliance forming. You never see military alliance. Example, Russia and Iran, that is unheard of. Today, they are aligned together. And their common enemy that they are fighting, believe it or not, believe it or not, the Bible is amazing. You know what? I will show you the next verse. We are living in end times, okay? Look at Ezekiel. Together, please read. You will come, you will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north. If you look at the map of Israel, you go straight north. What country is it? Look at all of those northern countries. You end up with Russia. Many people with you, all of them riding a great assembly and a mighty army, you will come up against my people, Israel. It shall come about in the last days. We are now living in the last days. I will bring you against my land. 
so that the nation may know me when I'm sanctified through you before their eyes. What does that mean? God will be sanctified through this confederation of nations attacking Israel. How can God be lifted up? I will tell you how. Because they will all be defeated. Let me show you. Look at the next verse. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, Prince of, again, Confederation, Ross, Meshach, Tuba, everybody read. I will take you from the remotest part of the north, bring you against the mountains of Israel. Everybody read. You will fall on the mountains of Israel. You and all your troops and the people who are with you. God is saying you will be destroyed. I, God, will send fire upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands in safety and they will know I am the Lord. In other words, what will happen to the nations fighting Israel will be a testimony that God is real. This time, the United Nations will get shot. Look at the next verse. Look at Zechariah. We are living in end times. The second coming is very near. The Bible says, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem. In short, almost everybody will fight against Israel. So if everybody will fight against Israel, what will happen to Israel? Israel will be defeated. Unless what? God intervenes. Then the Lord will intervene. Will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. In that day, his feet, literally, Jesus will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem. The book of Acts tells us as Jesus was lifted up, they were in the Mount of Olivet, Olives. The Bible says he will come again in Mount Olives. Why? To intervene. Without the intervention of God, Israel will be defeated. But the moment God intervenes, what will happen to Israel? Have you ever wondered why many of the Israelites are not yet followers of Jesus? Because they never believe who Jesus is. They've been brainwashed from childhood. It's fake. Jesus is not real. From childhood, they've been taught to hate Christians. Because in the Second World War, sad to say, the Catholic Church sided with the Nazi. Now, what is so sad, the Jews don't differentiate different denominations. Oh, Christian, Christian, Christian. So they hated Christians. But the Bible says someday, ladies and gentlemen, someday. You know what will happen? Look, let's read. I will pour out on the house of David, Israelites, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Israelites, the spirit of grace and supplications. God will pour out his grace on the stubborn Jews. And what will happen? They will look on me, whom they have pierced. 
My friend, this is Old Testament. The Bible says the Jews will now see Jesus and they will see the nail print hands and they will realize we crucified Jesus. He is the Messiah. And what will happen to them? They will cry. They will mourn. Because they have been rejecting Christ. My friend, Jesus is coming again. And what's happening today is in accordance with God's plan. However, how you experience his second coming is determined by how you respond to his first coming. And what's the message today? Worship. Why is worship so important? Worship is your barometer. It is the spiritual barometer. It is the acid test of whether you are a Christian or you are not. A true follower of Jesus will worship him. Period. The, bet, the greatest test, the best test of Christianity is who do you worship? Now, let me share with you a couple of characters on how to worship Jesus. Are you ready? All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 2. Character number one. Let's read together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the city of Herod, the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You are now introduced to Herod. You are introduced to Magi. How did they respond? Let's continue reading. Herod, the king, heard he was, when he heard he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Herod was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because he heard there's a king. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never worship Jesus properly until you surrender your life to him. Some of you are here today and you want to be in control of your life. Up to today, you want to be the king of your life, like Herod. Herod wanted to be king. He wanted to be in control. He wanted power. So when he heard another king, Jesus, he was troubled. You know why? Herod was deceived. Herod does not understand that Jesus came to love him, to forgive him, to give him peace. Herod had no peace. Remember the other week I told you what he did to his mother? Killed his own wife? Killed his own children? This guy is a nut, full of insecurity. But his problem is in his mind, the best way to run my life is I will be king. I will control my life because I know what is best for me. He was deceived by sin, deceived by Satan. He does not know that Jesus came to give him life. Ladies and gentlemen, you will not be able to worship Jesus until you surrender. Don't be like Herod to be in control. The next group of people I'd like you to see is the, the religious people gathering together all the chief priests 
and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. In other words, Herod knew something about the Bible. So he called the religious people, the scribes, the priests. In Tagalog, Totoba, there's going to be a coming king, Messiah. Where will the Messiah be born? You know, I was not surprised. The scribes, the religious leaders knew the answer. No, let's find out. They said to him, the priest, the scribes, oh, boss, the Bible says in Bethlehem of Judea, for that is what has been written by the prophet. See, they know the Bible. What is the Bible saying, the Old Testament? Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. From you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let me show you the exact verse from the Old Testament. Malachi, no, Micah, chapter 5. Everybody read together with me. Together, ready, go. As for you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, too little to be among the clans of Judah. Bethlehem is such a small place. Let's read. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. You know what the Bible is saying? The Messiah is from the days of eternity. He has no past. He has no beginning. But he's going to be born in Bethlehem. The Bible tells us Jesus took the form of a man. Ladies and gentlemen, what is so shocking, the priests and the scribes knew about the Messiah, but they don't know the Messiah. They didn't even bother to look for the Messiah. They were so busy with their religion. They were so busy with doing their rituals. Ladies and gentlemen, don't be like the priests and the scribes where you prioritize religion, tradition over Jesus. You see, for them, they were doing something right. Until you realize you need a savior, you will not understand Jesus. You see, the priests, the scribes, they were self-righteous. These are good people. They do religious duties. So why should I bother and look for the Messiah? Friends, there are people today here, you know about Jesus, but you don't really know him. Perhaps some of you have religion, but no relationship. The priest did not look for Jesus. Head knowledge, no heart. That's my concern. How do you worship the Lord, number one? Don't be like Herod. You've got to surrender. Number two, don't be like the priest. Head knowledge, no heart. Look at Matthew. You know what Jesus said? Jesus told this priest together, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy against you. These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away. There are people today, you sing, you mouth it, but your heart is far away. How do I know the heart is far away? According to Jesus, in vain do they worship me. 
teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Friends, that's why you need to study the Bible. Don't study religion. It's good, but study the Bible. Do not substitute the Word of God with the teachings of men. You got to go to the Bible so that you will know what God wants you and I to do. That's the meaning. You know, my wife is saying, please tell our audience, there are some people today, you sing, but Monday to Friday, your lifestyle is a lifestyle of sin. You compromise, commit adultery, all kinds of sin, and you think it's okay. And then on Sunday, we come and we worship. That is not worship. Worship has to come from the heart. Worship involves priority. It is changing your passion from religion to Jesus. You know, I praise God for the wise men. You want to know what the wise men did? Okay, let's continue reading. The Bible tells us, Herod discussed with the wise men. You know what Herod told the wise men? Once you find out where is the Messiah, will you tell me? You know what Herod said? You tell me, okay? When you have found him, report to me so I too may come and worship him. I realized people can pretend to worship Herod said, I, I, I will worship. You know what the wise men did? Let's find out. The Bible tells us the wise men, continue reading, when they went their way, they saw the star which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, let me just say something about, about the star. Have you wondered... What in the world is that? I want to assure you, it is supernatural. Don't speculate. You know, people have speculated it is the conjunction of the planet Venus, the planet Jupiter, the planet Saturn. That's their theory. Or they say there is a supernova. Because in the Chinese writings, in 5 BC, there was a supernova that appeared for 70 days. Yes, it's possible. It's possible. But whatever it is, one thing is sure. God is involved. Amen? So God made sure that they will know where the place is. So it appeared in the east. And then they knew something's happening. They went to Jerusalem. And then they were told, go to Bethlehem. So this star is supernatural. Okay, I'm telling you. Look at the next verse. What is most important is their heart. Look at this wise man. And coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. What do you notice? By the way, Magis. Who are Magis? Magis are advisors. They are smart. They're educated. Most of them are educated in the field of astronomy, in the field of astrology, even in the field of all kinds of possible science. They're smart people. Now, these wise men understood something big is happening. And you know what they did? They were touched by the grace of God. So they went, and when they saw the child, Mary and his mother, they fell down and worshipped who? 
Who did they worship? Louder. Jesus. They didn't worship the mother. They didn't worship the father. They didn't worship the star. They worshiped Jesus. And the Bible tells us they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Worship involves giving. And you give, not leftovers. They gave precious treasures, gold, frankincense. Those are all expensive herbs and myrrh, very expensive. It, of course, you can say it's about Jesus. Gold stands for the king, King Jesus. Frankincense, Jesus is our high priest that's used for prayer. Myrrh, Jesus will die for us. Whatever it is, these are all precious materials. What's my point? Worship involves giving. People have often asked me, Peter, why do you not pass offering boxes? You notice something in CCF? We don't pass offering boxes. Can I tell you why? Because we teach you what is true worship. We teach you God owns everything. When your heart is right with God and you want to worship Him, will you give? Louder. Yeah. My friend, the test of a true follower of Jesus is worship. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? These guys traveled a long way. Many scholars believe they're from Persia. So they traveled for weeks. They took risk. They took time. Today, I praise God for many of you, you came and took time to worship. Praise God, okay, for all of you. But the truth, I'm gonna warn you. If you really worship God, you will not allow traffic, you will not allow inconvenience to stop you from gathering together. Amen, yes or no? Do you notice something is different when we're gathered together to worship God? Yes or no? My friend, it's, it depends on your heart. Why are you here on Sunday? You know, I'm here on Sunday to worship Him. Are you here today to worship Him? Or are you here just to sing? I hope you sing to the Lord. Don't sing to your neighbor. Sing to the Lord, okay? Why are you here today? Your answer should be worship. Why do you listen to the Word of God? To worship Him. I want to listen to what God wants me to do. Everything has to be worship. But some of you will say, Peter, I don't have money. Don't worry. You can still worship God. I like the example of the shepherds. Look at the shepherds. The Bible tells us, what did the shepherds do? When the angels had gone away, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They came in a hurry and found their way, Mary, Joseph, and the baby. Listen to me. What did the shepherds do? Let us go straight to Bethlehem. They were in a hurry. You see, my friend, if God touches your heart, worship becomes priority. Can I ask you a question? What happened to the sheep? Panima kambing. What did the shepherds do? The shepherds said, wait, 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 wait. Before we look for Jesus, who will take care of the sheep? No, no. Once your priorities are set, I'm not saying be, care, be careless, but all I'm saying, something about worship. I like what Nancy DeMoss has to say about worship. You know, this is what she said. Nancy DeMoss, she's a millionaire, okay, married to a very rich person. 
Nancy said, worship is a believer's response to God's revelation of himself. You know, if God did not make himself known to me, honestly, I will not be a Christian. All of you who are here today, you're a byproduct of God's grace. God did something in your life so that you will come to know him through Jesus. Yes or no? You did not come to Jesus because you are good. You came to Jesus in spite of, because it was God's revelation. It is expressing wonder, oh, gratitude for the worthiness, the greatness, the goodness of our Lord. And my friend, I worship Jesus. I'm old at how much he loves me. It is the appropriate response to God's person, his provision, his power, his promises, and his plan. Do you know Jesus? You love Jesus? You know what the shepherds did? They left everything. And you know what happened? Let's continue reading. Look at what happened to the shepherds. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard wondered at the statements, what the shepherds were saying. What the shepherd did is simply this. What they hear, they obey, they check, and they tell others. The shepherds went back, everybody read, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as has been told them. I want you to do something radical this Christmas. I want you to worship him. How do you worship him? With your mouth. Worship him by telling others what you've discovered. Yes or no? I hope Christmas will not be gift-giving, will not be lechon, which to me is wonderful. Okay? I mean, those are all good. But shall we be radical tomorrow? What is tomorrow? We are commemorating, even though it's not the exact birthday, but it's a reminder. Amen? Now, as we close... There are two possibilities when Jesus comes again. One is good news, and one is bad news. Let me share with you why you need to respond in worship today. You will not worship God if you don't know him. Don't be like Herod. You want to be in control. You don't want to change. Don't be deceived by sin. Don't be like the religious leaders. You are satisfied, self-righteous. In your mind, you prefer activities, religion, but no relationship with Jesus. No. Be willing to change. Be like the wise men. Give him your best. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Be like the shepherds. Tell others about Jesus. Amen? Because how you respond today will determine what you'll experience. Let me share with you two experiences. Number one, 2 Thessalonians, as we close, chapter 1. When Jesus comes again, this is what the Bible is saying. After all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. The Bible says when Jesus comes again, 
he will give to God's people is good news. He's going to give you what? Relief. The Bible tells us it is only right. See, Jesus has to come again to correct the wrong. Jesus has to come again to bring justice. Jesus has to come again, really. You know why? To make things right. This world is a mess. You see a lot of people getting away with murders, with a lot of foolishness. My friend, relax. God is saying, Ako bahala. May araw din sila. If you don't like your neighbor, tell your neighbor, may araw ka rin. But if you love your neighbor, bahala si Lord. Okay, tell your neighbor, bahala si Lord. May araw din sila. Hindi may araw ka rin. No, no, no. God is saying, leave that to me. I will take care of the righteous and the unrighteous. Notice, I love this word. It is just. It's only the right thing for God to do. To repay. To reward his people. To give relief. When? My friend, when Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Look at the next verse. If you don't know Jesus, this is the scary part. He will deal out retribution. Again, notice the grammar. It's making things right. Retribution to those who do not know God. No excuse. The Bible says we should all know God. But because of sin, we refuse to know him. And because of disobedience. And to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice knowing God and obeying God? They're side by side. How do you know you know God? I will ask you. Everybody look at me. What's the test that you know God? Obedience. I'm not perfect. But in my heart, I want to obey him. I'm not perfect, but I want to worship him. Because I have experienced his forgiveness. This is the meaning. Be ready for his coming. You know why? Everybody read. This will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This is horrible. The Bible tells us, if you do not respond properly to the first coming, Christmas, properly, trusting him, worshiping him, surrendering to him, the Bible says, you will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. The word destruction does not mean annihilation. Destruction simply means the loss of well-being. It does not mean you are in a coma. You are still alive, but you lost well-being. It is used to describe new wine put in new wine skin. If you put wine in old wine skin, the old wine skin will burst. That word will burst is the word apolumi. It will be destroyed. Some of you don't realize why it is important to understand the gospel. When you have the gospel of grace, you will want to be with Jesus. You will want to worship him. If you don't have grace, you don't want to be with Jesus. Look, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, today people make fun of hell. Oh, I want to go to hell. My best friends will be there. Okay, that's your choice. Ladies and gentlemen, you please tell your neighbors, tell your friends the reality of Christmas. Jesus came the first time. He's going to come again. And when he comes again, 
I hope it will be good news. Because if not, it will be the worst nightmare of your life. I don't like the word eternal destruction. I don't like the word away from the presence of the Lord. I don't like away from the glory of His power. You know why? Good news as we close. Look at the good news. If you belong to Jesus, when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day, we're destined for glory. We are to glorify Jesus and to be marveled at among all who have believed our testimony to you was believe. I'm telling you right now, I want you to believe. Believe in the true story of Christmas. Believe in the significance of Christmas. Believe that he's coming again. So that, everybody read now, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him. Wow. You will glorify Jesus. And Jesus will glorify you. So tell your neighbor, may araw din tayo. May araw din tayo. Praise God. Are you excited about Christmas? Yes. I am so excited because the first Christmas guarantees me that Jesus is coming again. The first Christmas guarantees me that because I have Jesus, I have forgiveness, I have eternal life. Amen? But what should you do now? Worship. Don't be like Herod. Want to be in control. You like to be the king. You are threatened by Jesus. Ah, you don't understand Jesus. He loves you. He came to give you life. Don't be like the religious people. You have religion. You come every week. But nothing happens to your life. You don't change. Like the priests. They go through the rituals. That nothing happens. You know why? Religion is not equal to relationship. But be like the wise men. They were willing to risk their own life. They were willing to take time. They were willing to give up their best. My friend, the test of a father of Jesus is worship. Will I see you again next Sunday? Yes or no? Yeah, not to see you. Let's see the Lord together. Amen? So will you do something radical? Tell people about Jesus, okay? Tomorrow, make it a different. I wish that you will not open gifts tomorrow. You be the one to give Jesus the gift. What gift will you give Jesus? Your heart. Worship him. Okay with you? Let's bow our heads. If God has spoken to you, and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you want to surrender Will you raise your hands? Higher. Today, you finally, you understood, you understand that Jesus is our Lord, He's our Savior. You got to worship Him. And you want Him to be your Lord and Savior. With your hands raised up, you pray this prayer with me, okay? Lord Jesus, here I am. I come before you, confessing my need. I am a sinner. I need you. I accept your gift of forgiveness, your gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change my heart. I choose to worship you from this day onward. I realize you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. I owe you everything. Help me. Give me the grace to live for you and to worship you. 
Help all of us, Lord Jesus. In your name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good day, CCF family. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Sunday Fast Track, where you ask real-life questions and we give you biblical truths. My name is Michelle Obligacion from the Exalt Worship Ministry, and we're here today with our speaker, Pastor Peter Tanchi, to answer some of your questions. Good day, Pastor Peter. Good day. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Blessed Christmas to you too. Yes. As we prepare for Noche Buena and for Christmas Day, what's your prayer and encouragement to everyone who is watching or listening to this right now? I pray that CCFers will not become materialistic, that we begin to focus on what is most important, that we be loving like Jesus, and we love people, love our family, and really have the joy of Christ. That's my prayer. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Peter, for those encouraging words and for that prayer. But before we go, we invite you next week to finish the year strong in worship to our God. We have a special year-end message, and we'll talk about God's blueprint for our life. That's on Saturday, December 30, 5 p.m. at SNS, and Sunday, December 31, at 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. Invite your family and friends, and we're excited to see you guys. That's it for CCF Sunday Fast Track. Merry Christmas, everyone!